0: Welcome to the History of the World podcast, my name is Chris and this is the History of the World Unscripted. here we are once again and um, it's only a couple of weeks now until the new volume of podcasts begins so something we're really looking forward to is the start of that and a new volume and a new set of podcasts. The first one as I've mentioned a number of times will deal with the early dynastic period of Mesopotamia and then just for a heads up We are going to be staying in Mesopotamia for the foreseeable until around about the 10th episode, and then we're going to start turning our attention to other areas of the ancient world, such as Egypt. So that's just to let you know what's coming up. Now, in the meantime, what we're trying to do is just fill in the gaps while we're preparing for the new volume, so there's sort of a a month or two gap between the two volumes and I didn't want to just leave them unnoticed. So what we're doing at the moment, we're providing you with some unscripted episodes just to let you know that we're still here, basically. So we're still broadcasting a very brief episode weekly until we get back into our normal routine. So what I've been doing with a lot of these unscripted episodes, I've been broadcasting some of your... Messages that you've still been kindly sending over to the podcast, and I've been discussing some of the analytics as well. But obviously, there's only so much talking about that you can do before you sound like you're uh, going to start jumping off a bridge with boredom. What I've been trying to do is maybe address a couple of the subjects that I feel deserved a little bit more detail and a little bit more attention before we headed into. next volume and I think I know really what I want to do for the next two podcasts. So for this one I'm going to explore um, something that was discussed previously and something that I did touch upon again briefly last week which is the wonderful Gebekli Tepe. So we basically we sort of said there's so much more to Gebekli Tepe than we really discussed during the Episode 19, the megalithic episode, uh, the first one. And we basically sort of looked upon it with a very scientific view. There is a lot more to Gobekli Tepe. There's a lot more theories and there's a lot more mystery surrounding it than most other things. It really is something that captures people's imaginations. And then just to let you know, I think next week, the final unscripted podcast episode that we're going to do before we head into the new set of podcasts, the new set of proper podcasts, will be about lasso cave painting. So we, we, that's something I was really upset that I didn't spend more time talking about or I didn't really even spend any time at all talking about it just because it was a parietal art thing and parietal art was something that was really just a small aspect of the whole art and ritual And uh, we did discuss Chauvet, and I thought that represented um, prehistoric parietal arts. Lasso really does deserve some attention in my mind. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing that humans have created in our history. And we just pretty much ignored it just due to us trying to give more attention to other things. So I'm going to touch upon that again next week. So this week let's talk more about Göbekli Tepe and some of the theories surrounding that wonderful thing. So firstly we have to go back and say to ourselves what is Göbekli Tepe for the benefit of anyone listening what on earth is Göbekli Tepe. Well it's Turkish for pot belly hill I don't know if I mentioned that previously What is it? It is something that was created by a human hand in the 10th millennium BCE. So just to give you some perspective, it was created some seven millennia before Stonehenge. So that really gives you some kind of deep perspective into how long ago this really was. So if we go back from today, from the modern age to Stonehenge, And then we double it, we double that amount of time. We're still not anywhere near the time when Gobekli Tepe was created. It's in the Anatolian land area. Basically, it's in the south of modern-day Turkey and it's just on the border with Syria. So it's not far from the border with Syria. And um, basically what it is, it's a ruined it's like a cultural religious site perhaps it's maybe a temple maybe a place of worship it's something that we've really not been able to work out what exactly it is we do know that there was there's no sort of evidence of people living at this site it does look like somewhere that was really visited by people maybe people who were Living at places such as such as uh, Çatalhöyük or um other Turkish sites where there were people believe we believe actually uh, living in huts or houses, mud brick built houses or reed houses, and uh, they were going to this site at Göbekli Tepe. And why were they going there? Well, we don't actually know. There were T-shaped stone pillars erected. There were more than two hundred pillars uh, in arranged in neat circles. So there were a number of circles, and ultimately the site was abandoned. But during its um, during its active time, these T-shaped pillars they were some twenty foot in height, weighing up to ten tons, and they were impossibly you know, constructed it. Like, just looking at it and you think, how on earth did human hands construct that? So it was really something on the same level as Stonehenge and maybe even, you know, when we look at the pyramids and we ask how were they constructed, this is another one of those sites where it's really good. How on earth did they do it? So I'm going to focus on a particular aspect of Gebekli Tepe that's really inspires a lot of attention and that is Pillar 43 now anyone who's familiar with Gobekli Tepe may have heard of Pillar 43 and may have heard of it being referred to as the Vulture Stone and this is because the pillar itself contains very very vivid imagery of um, a vulture which appears to have some kind of ball shape uh, above its right wing. Um, And there is also underneath the vulture is a scorpion, which, and, and, well, all of these things together have really excited the grey matter of um, some very uh, renowned authors, and one of them being Andrew Collins, who he he has been described as an author that challenges the way that we perceive the past and they feature subjects as ancient astronomy and archaeoastronomy which pretty much focuses on these neolithic sites these neolithic megalithic sites and the interpretations of them and what relationship they have to the night sky and they feel that they, um that Portrays messages uh, through the association with the night sky and these sites. And even like, as we discussed, uh, a lot of the Neolithic sites we know were built with respect to the, the sky, certainly the sun as well, you know, in terms of the equinoxes and the solstices. These sites, such as Stonehenge, you know, they're very relevant what was going on in the sky was very, very relevant to these sites. Now, people such as Andrew Collins, who also cites Graham Hancock, who is also a very, very well-known name in terms of this kind of work, the work of interpreting what the meaning is behind places like Gobekli Tepe, Stonehenge, the Pyramids of Giza, for example. And they're not above looking beyond the basic scientific principles of evolution and human development of technology. They are happy to look way beyond that. So let's explore some of the theories relating to Gebekli Tepe and this Pillar 43, which is the vulture stone. Now, Collins looks at the uh, what Graham Hancock has said about this vulture stone and what hancock has uh, suggested is that the uh, the vultures are actually sending a message now we know that around the time of the construction or just before the time of the construction of was the younger dryas we've brought it up so many times in the prehistoric podcast now the younger dryas was a cold snap in the climate of the Northern Hemisphere, specifically the Northern Hemisphere, we see uh, the evidence of it. And it happened around about, perhaps around 11,000 years ago. And certainly Gobekli Tepe could have been constructed as a response to this. And it has been suggested that the Vulture Stone shows evidence of maybe a comet strike um which would have you know had it been powerful enough it could very well have started the younger dryad so this could have been a response to a catastrophe this relief um what um graham hancock has said is that the ball like object in above the vulture's wing is the sun in sagittarius at the time of the windsor solstice between the years 1960 and 2040, which seems bizarre on the face of it, because Gobekli Tepe wasn't built between 1960 and 2040, so why on earth are we citing those years? Well, Hancock asks whether the carved imagery seen on the vulture stone might not be a coded message conveyed across time by the Gobekli builders of 11,500 years ago. So, Certainly, do we honestly believe that uh, Graham Hancock could be right and that there could be a spiritual message from the constructors of Gebekli Tepe to us here on the modern earth stating that it could be maybe another comet, maybe something else, maybe there's another younger Dryas on the way? Certainly, we don't know that. And, you know, basically why on earth are they carving these images and so the mystery surrounding it we believe that you know it could be something spiritual there should be, it could be something deeper however something that we have discussed certainly in the last few podcasts of the uh, the prehistoric era is the fact that new evidence has emerged that a comic strike could have happened in Greenland, which set off the Younger Dryas. And it's quite compelling and interesting and almost convincing that it could be, such is the convenience of this argument, that we think it could be right. Um, obviously, more studies are going to have to be made, but if this is true, then certainly the people of Gebekli Tepe may not have really seen or. Or known too much about this comet strike, and therefore why would they record it on a pillar, on a stone pillar? The more conventional view of the ball in the in the wing of the vulture is that the the ball is the soul of the human being and that is basically being guided towards the afterlife, to the afterworld, whatever that may be. And certainly when people died in that era, in Gobekli Tepe, in that era of time, it is believed that their bodies were left out in the open uh, where, you know, they couldn't rot away and cause disease for other people nearby them. Uh, They would be left out in the open for the vultures to eat and subsequently the flesh would be taken into the sky by the vultures, um, symbolising a journey to the afterworld. Another theory which I've mentioned in relation to Gobekli Tepe was this one regarding Aboriginal Australians and whether they could have had a hand in building it. Now, that sounds quite bizarre. The Aboriginals were existing around about 15,000 miles away from Göbekli Tepe but nevertheless there are some amazing similarities between um some of the artwork of the aboriginals and some of the carvings on stones at Göbekli Tepe so with um the uh, migration of peoples to Australia where they became the aboriginals um some te- uh, quite a number of tens of thousands of year years previous to Gebekli Tepe's construction, could it have been that there was a migration back the other way, that Aboriginal Australians came back from Australia to Anatolia and built Gebekli Tepe with all of their knowledge and symbols? Well, this would be a possibility but for two things. I think, in my mind, I would ask the question... Um, The symbols that we associate with both cultures are very basic symbols, so they're not elaborate in any way, and there's every reason why they could resemble each other for that reason. So I'm not really having that too much. Um, The other thing, I suppose, is that the DNA study doesn't really support any... um, any sort of migration back from australia to anatolia of of humans so there's no sort of read of that from the art from the dna study so for that reason we're going to be a little dismissive of that one unfortunately well another theory is that gebekli tepe was built by an ancient civilization with higher levels of intelligence so this is another theory argued that the human history is actually one that required us to become quite advanced before something happened that culled us back into a much more archaic version of ourselves. So we are not the first intelligent, civilised human society that has occupied this planet. And things such as the pyramids and Gobekli Tepe are evidence of this because we cannot fathom how prehistoric man could have made these things then it would seem reasonable to assume that we had intelligent societies that were on this earth over two uh well over four thousand years ago I should say that were able to construct these things and no evidence exists to this day that demonstrates who they were and what they were doing and now I'm going to go a stage further and mention the final theory that has been put forward in relation to Quebecli Tepe and that is that there was alien interference now this might not sound might not be the most ridiculous thing so if aliens came to planet Earth then maybe they were the ones that had the ability to construct the megalithic structures that we cannot find categorical answers to how human beings did this. So Gebekli Tepe, by human hand, now it's been it's been suggested that even modern day machinery would struggle. To, they would certainly find this a challenge to construct something of the nature of Gebekli Tepe that tools and resources were so archaic back then that in order to do this would have been almost an impossibility if not it was definitely an impossibility by those who believe that alien interference was a part of gebekli tepe's in uh, construction i should say and that um other megalithic constructions had to be down to alien intervention. And we just, like, because it was prehistory, we don't have any recorded information about this alien intervention, just the fact that these megalithic constructions could not have been just done solely by humans. It is argued that that is impossible. And even if we go back over to the Karnak Stones, which is something we mentioned in the 20th episode, the Karnak Stones are believed to be some kind of star chart. And we are studying the Karnak Stones at the moment to establish whether there are any correlations with the night sky that would suggest that alien intervention was something to do with the Karnak Stones. So here we are with a culture spread of. Spread across the northern hemisphere, and we cannot understand with all our modern minds, all our modern technology, all our modern science, all our modern ways of interpreting historical documents. We cannot understand how things like Stonehenge, things like the pyramids of Giza, and things like Gebekli Tepe were constructed, and therefore, how can any of us turn around and say that there was no possibility of alien intervention so there we have it a little bit about Gebekli Tepe for those of you that are crazy about Gebekli Tepe and also I think this is a lesson to those of us who look at history as something that is purely science uh, is purely science based so what I've said all along throughout this whole podcast is that Whatever happens and, you know, I I, th- I think there can be a strong feeling through those who believe in archaeological history and what we read and what we see and there can be a very sceptical line among historians that if it makes sense then we believe it and that God cannot exist because we evolved and that aliens could never have visited planet Earth because otherwise we would know about it. One thing that none of us can say is that we were there. And at the end of the day, none of us can turn around and tell another person exactly what happened in the past because of that reason. So for that reason, anyone who approaches me with any kind of spiritualistic view of what happened in the past as long as it isn't absolutely outrageously bizarre that it's totally unbelievable i could sometimes give that a bit of credence because i think it would be disrespectful to just be totally dismissive of it especially in the light of the fact that we have things such as gobekli tepe which our fantastic modern brains and let's all pat each other on the back for being very intelligent people but we still haven't got the answers have we to Gobekli Tepe next time I'll talk about Lasso Caves so we're going to have a look at some of the prehistoric art so we're going to go even further back in time that will be the last um, pre-ancient world episode so it'll be the last unscripted episode before we venture into the new episodes, thanks for joining me this week and look forward to speaking to you again next week. The History of the World podcast is hosted by Audio Boom. It is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Castbox, Podcast Republic, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can also find it on Deezer google podcasts and radio public feel free to email the show at history of the podcast at mail.com join our facebook page and follow us on twitter